Good morning. <clears throat> Greetings in Christ's name. A Sunday school teacher once quizzed her class of fifth grade students about how a person gets to heaven. The teacher got many good responses. You don't get to heaven by being good or by giving away all your money or by being a nice person. The teacher asked again, how does a person get to heaven? A boy who was visiting that day shouted out, you have to be dead. It is either by death or the rapture of the church that those who have placed their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will go to heaven. Many of us, I'm sure, have wondered what heaven will be like. Well, what will we look like? What will we do? Will we sing and strum our harps for all of eternity? Will we know each other? When we think about heaven, we sometimes dream about what it will be like, which I think is a good thing as long as we keep our minds in the boundary of Scripture. But there is only a certain amount that our minds can grasp about what heaven will be like. I believe there will be plenty of surprises there when we get there. This morning, I want to talk about heaven, our eternal home, especially the time after the tribulation and the millennium, and when God is all in all, like it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 28. Some of you may remember when Nate Kaufman was here a couple years ago and spoke about heaven. He recommended a book by Randy Alcorn entitled Heaven. I have read that book and was really blessed um, by reading, and it gave, gave me a different perspective of heaven. And I recommend this book to anyone as well. Um, if you want to learn more about heaven and what it will be like, like I said, there will, there will be plenty of surprises, even when we think that we have learned everything that we can know about heaven. But my desire this morning, as we look into this sermon, is to help us think more about heaven, and that we can get more excited about being there, and that we would have a deep longing for heaven. I trust that after we are done this morning that we can echo what Paul said in Philippians 1.23 when he had two places that he would really wanted to be at. The first one was to be with the saints at Philippi. And the second one was to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I think Paul had the right perspective of heaven. He knew that heaven was far better. He was longing for heaven. His mind was on heaven, to be with Christ. But in spite of his longing to be with Christ, he was con content to stay here on the earth and serve Christ by serving the church. So many times, as we think about heaven, many times while we go away on a trip or we are in service somewhere, we often catch ourselves thinking about home, our home place. Why do we do that? It is where our heart is at. We have a connection with our home place. The people that we know and love are there. It is where things are familiar to us. Well, that's how we should treat heaven while here on the earth. There should be an excitement about going there because our heart is there. When we became Christians, old things passed away and we became new. The things of this world are foreign to us because of the sin and corruption that pollutes the earth. 
when we became Christians, the Holy Spirit filled our lives, which gave us a more understanding of God in the Scripture. Also, the people that we know and love are there. Jesus is there. Our spouses, our children, our parents, our close friends. We are strangers of this world. This world is not our home. We long for another, for a better home, or for our, our heavenly home. There are some verses that tell us where our, where our focus should be at. Philippians 3, 20-21. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We are looking for the Savior. Our focus is on Jesus, who will change our vile bodies. We are not distracted with the things here on the earth. We are focused on Jesus when he comes. And this is not something that is done carelessly, but that we do it with diligent. We are diligently looking for Jesus. Hebrews eleven thirteen and sixteen says, "These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having them, having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth." For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, and truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. Abraham and Sarah believed and were persuaded of the promises that God gave them. They desired a better country. They were longing for it. When we have a desire for something, how much do we think about it? Often, right? Do I, do you desire for that better country? Is our minds, is it on our minds often? There are different times in the New Testament where Jesus said that his disciples and servants are not a part of this world, that we belong to another world, which is heaven. When we think of heaven, it should warn us to live a holy life, and that it should cause us to guard our lives from being led led away with the error of the wicked. So what is heaven, and where is it at? In the Bible, heaven is referred to as three different places. There is the first heaven, which is referred to the area where the birds fly, the area that the clouds are in. The second heaven is the area where the sun, moon, and stars are at. And the third heaven is where God dwells. But where is the third heaven at? Those of us us who have placed our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ know that is where we are going. We know that those whom we love who have faith in God are there. We know that God and Jesus are there. Many times, when we think of heaven, we say that heaven is up. When Jesus ascended into heaven, his disciples were looking up at the cloud that took Jesus out of sight. But think about it. What happens 12 hours later? Well, with the earth spinning, or even if the disciples kept looking at the same spot 12 hours later? 
we or the disciples are looking in a totally different direction because of the rotation of the earth. Or the people in China point up where heaven is and the people in America point up to where heaven is. It is in two different place directions. There are some verses that give us a little bit of a clue about where the third heaven may be at. Leviticus 1.11, and this verse is talking about when the priest killed the sacrifice, the sheep or the goat. And he shall kill it on the side of the, of the altar northward before the Lord. And the priests and Aaron's sons shall sprinkle his blood round about upon the altar. Why was the sacrifice killed on the north side of the altar? Psalm 75, 6-7. This psalm talks about a reason to praise God. Listen carefully. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. What direction is left out? For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. North is left out. Isaiah fourteen twelve to 13 This describes when Satan fell. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the earth, to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne before, above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the con- congregation in the sides of the north. Where did Satan want to be? He wanted to sit also, just like God, in the sides of the north. Psalms 48, 1 and 2 says, Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. We see in all these verses that the direction to God is north. So where is north here at Weavertown Church? We're in California. We're in Japan. Or China. Or England. Or Israel. Where is north? The North Pole. Pole. Yeah, there is only one direction that all these places point to. They all point to the North Pole. With these verses that we read, what does that tell us where God or where heaven is at? It appears that heaven or God's throne is in the direction up in the skies above the North Pole somewhere before the eternal home is set up here on the earth. And this next phrase, you can take it or leave it however you want, but scientists say that there's an empty space up in the North Pole somewhere. So heaven is an actual place prepared for all those who love God. Life here on the earth is a shadow of what heaven will be like. It is a picture of what heaven will be like. There will be no more sin and curse that will affect the earth and us in heaven. Heaven is not spiritual. 
mystical place. It's a physical. Heaven is a physical place, just like we are here at Weavertown Place, Weavertown Church, in our physical form. That is how heaven will be like. When people die and go to heaven, they are not at their final home yet. They will, with all the other saints, live in the new heaven and the new earth after the 1,000-year reign of Christ. So let's look now at the new heaven and the new earth. After the 1,000-year reign of Christ, where will the new heaven and the new earth be at? Does God destroy what he created? Will God totally wipe out the earth to nothing and create a new heaven and new earth? Turn with me to 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13. I want to read that. 2 Peter 3, 10 to 13. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. What do we see will happen to the earth? It says that the heavens will pass away. And also says the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The heavens shall be dissolved. What exactly is being burned up? Will the earth burned up to nothing? Let's look at heavens passing away. The word pass away doesn't mean to annihilate or to go to nothing. The word to pass away means to pass from one condition to another. When we use this when do we use this word in our everyday language? We use this word in our everyday language. And it's when someone passes away. But what are we saying when someone passes away? He's passing from this state of life to the next. He's still the same person, except he's changed in his spirit. He's resur- he will be resurrected in, at, the end, at the end of life at the end of this world. He's passing away. The heavens pass away, change from one condition to the next. The earth and the works are burned up. This has the idea of the earth and every activity a man being laid bare. In other words, of being refined. The work that it's talking about is any product, anything accomplished by hand, art, industry, mind being burned up. The works of man's hands are being burned up. It says that the heavens melt. The word melt has the idea of being made loose, to put off. 
This does not mean to be totally annihilated, to be totally destroyed, to go to nothing. But what exactly is being burned up or shaken loose? The heaven and the earth are being loose from the curse by fire. The earth is being refined. It is being made pure. It is being prepared for our eternal home. Another portion of scripture that I want to read is Hebrews 12, 26 to 29. And you can return to this as well. Hebrews 12, 26 and 29. This is also talking about the, reno- the future renovation of the heavens and the earth. Verse 26, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he promised, saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things which are shaking, which are, that are shaken, as, as of the things that are made, that those things which, can, which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we are seeing a kingdom which cannot be removed. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Not only will God shake the earth like he did when he spoke the law on Mount Sinai, but he will shake the heavens and the earth someday. What does it mean when he shakes the heaven and the earth? The word shake has the same picture of a strong wind during a storm. When a storm comes up, We go outside to make sure everything is secure or else things will get blown away. When God shakes the earth, it means to shake down, to overthrow, to cast down from one's one's secure and happy state. So why does God shake the earth? This is the renovations of the heavens and the earth that is talked about in 2 Peter 3. He shakes the heavens and the earth to remove all things of the curse and those that were man-made which need to be taken away. Notice that there are some things that cannot be shaken, that they remain. And what, what are those things? It is the kingdom of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Different places in the Bible we read that this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Isaiah 9, Daniel 2, and Luke 1 It talks about how this kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The heaven and the earth will remain. God is shaking or will shake the heaven and the earth to get rid of the things on the earth that would contaminate the new heaven and the new earth. There's a couple different places in the Bible where it talks about the heaven and the earth that God created in Genesis are eternal. Ecclesiastes 1.4 says, One generation passes away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. Psalms 104.5 it says, Who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. Talking about the glory of God, where is God's glory displayed at? Different places in Scripture we see that it's displayed on the earth. Numbers 14.21 says, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. 
In Psalms 19.1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. God will display his glory on this earth, not only now, but I believe also in the future. This earth will not just vanish away, but God will keep throughout all of eternity so that he can display his glory. What all did Jesus do at his first coming? What was the purpose that Jesus came to this earth the first time? As he interacted with people, what did he do, especially with his miracles? Or even with the work of the cross, what did he do? There are some words that describe what he did. Reconcile, redeem, restore, recover, return, renew, regenerate, and resurrect. What does the prefix, prefix R-E mean, especially in the words that I said? It means to bring back or to restore back to the original condition before it was lost or ruined. Redeem means to buy back what was originally owned. Renew means to make new again. Restore means to make something back to the original state before it was corrupted. Jesus did that to each one of us. He redeemed us. He made us a new person. But Jesus will also, I believe, do that for his creation. Romans 8, 19 and 22 says, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willing, willingly, but by reason of him who had subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth and pain together until now. Some things that are, when I think about this, is sometimes it's hard for me to figure out the difference between the millennium, the thousand year, one thousand year reign of Christ, or the eternal heaven. And I think these verses is one of those times where it's difficult for me to um, distinguish between the two. And I believe maybe possibly this has already happened, that the, that the creation is being delivered from the bondage of corruption during the 1,000 year reign of Christ. But it will definitely happen in the eternal home, heaven. God will restore the earth back to what it was like, I believe, in the Garden of Eden. The word new in um, Revelation 21 that Glenn said, it says that I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The word new means to be made fresh, unused, and unworn. God will make a new heaven and a new earth. But what else did God make new in the work of the cross? Each person who accepted Jesus as their Savior. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, we are made into a new creature, old things are passed away. Even though I'm still just a peachy, I am made new in spirit because of Jesus. Sin doesn't dominate my life anymore. I am changed from the new, from the old man to the new. I believe in the same way. That is how the heaven and the earth are made new. Sin and the curse placed on the earth are removed. So what will the new heaven and the new earth look like? Like I said, the new heaven and the new earth 
will make a complete circle in the Bible and will be like the Garden of Eden with no presence of sin. We see in the first verse there in Revelation 21 that there will be no more sea. 71% of the earth is covered by water. 96% of the water on the earth is salt water. This water once covered the earth because of sin. And also, when we think about the oceans, it separates nations from each other. In ancient times, people were afraid of the water. It was a grave for some people. And for others that were on, the on boats or on the ships, they had no compass to guide them on a cloudy day. They were lost out in the sea. In the Bible times, the sea had a negative effect on people. But in Revelation 22.1, it says talks about that there's a river. But where does that river lead to? All rivers lead somewhere. In the rivers that we have today, a river leads to a greater river, which then empties into a big lake or into the ocean. I believe that in heaven, there will be many rivers, lakes, and maybe even possibly small seas. Not the sea that divides continents, countries, and brings fears to people. It's not that type of a sea. But it will be water that will be healed so that fish can swim in, like it says, and I think in Ezekiel. Also in heaven, <clears throat> also if heaven will, will be a place like the Garden of Eden, where will the big blue whale swim at? Which is the biggest, the biggest one measuring 111 feet long. You would need a body of water that's big enough for him to swim in. I want to read some verses that speak about um, different bodies of water in heaven. Psalm 72, 8, it says, He shall have dominion also from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. Psalms 91, 97, 1, it says, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of isles be glad thereof. The isles means island or peninsula. You need a body of water to have an island. And in Ezekiel 47, um, where it talks about a river that comes out of the house or the temple, Ezekiel was supposed to measure this river. And by the time that he was done measuring, he was 8,330 feet, 8,333 feet out from the bank of the river. And that is one mile, one and a half miles far. And this river was so deep that he couldn't swim to the other side. The waters from this river, like I said, will heal the sea so that fish can swim in it. And it says that a great multitude of fish will swim in it. And then it says also that the fish of the sea will swim in it. Think about it a little bit of the many different kinds of fish that will be there. Zechariah 14.8, it says, And it shall be in that day, the living water shall go out from Jerusalem, half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the higher sea. In summer and in winter shall it be. So the sea that we're talking about in Revelation 21, I feel that there will be no more sea. There will no, be no more fear. Um, there will no, be no more graves to bury people there in the sea. The Bible talks about that there will be sea um, in the millennium, in, and also in heaven. So what about the seasons? Will there be um, seasons in the new heaven, in the new earth? 
Genesis 8.22, and this is the time when Noah came off the ark and he built a sacrifice to God. And God then promised some things to Noah. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. How long will the earth last? It says, while the earth remaineth. We talked about that the earth will remain forever. As the earth remaineth, seed time, the spring, and harvest, summer, and cold and heat, and day and night shall not cease. I believe possibly we will experience all the seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter in heaven. Will it rain and snow in heaven? I believe possibly it will rain and snow, but in a way that will bring, that will be refreshing to the earth. This is something that God has created for the earth. So what about the sun, moon, and stars? We get confused about why the sun will shine, the sun and the moon will shine in heaven. Many people would say that it won't shine in heaven. And we get that, I believe, from couple of verses in Revelation 21 and 22. The city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God, they lighten it. And the Lamb is a light thereof. In 22, it says, And there shall be no night there. They need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And there's another verse in Isaiah, which I don't think I'll take time to read. That it pretty much says the same thing. These verses... All the verses there in Isaiah and in Revelation, these are talking about the New Jerusalem. Heaven is way bigger than just the New Jerusalem. I believe the sun and the moon will shine, but we won't necessarily need, need them because the Lord giveth light. It is kind of like when you're reading outside under the sun, you wouldn't get a flashlight or a lamp because you have all the light that you need. The same idea, I believe. There are some verses, though, that talk about that the sun will continue to shine in heaven. Genesis 8.22, I already read this. Day and night shall not cease. And also Psalm 72.17, it says, His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him, and all nations shall call him blessed. It's no problem for us to agree that we know know, Jesus' name will endure forever, but it says that it will endure as long as the sun. They are both eternal. Jeremiah 31, 35-37, it says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Then it says, If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, If heaven above can be measured and the fountains of the earth be searched, of the earth search out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. We already know what God's thoughts are to the nation of Israel. I had shared that in previous sermons. They are, the nation of Israel is eternal. 
If the sun, moon, and stars cease to do what God has ordained them to do, he will cast off the seed of Israel. But he won't do that. Therefore, the moon and the stars will shine in heaven. So what about time? Will we keep track of time in heaven? Or will there be time in heaven? How do we keep track of time? You say, well, I look at my iPhone or smartphone. That's how I keep track of time. But how do the early people keep track of time? From the rising and setting of the sun. So will there be time in heaven? Will there be a way to keep track of time? Many people say that there is no time in heaven because of the verses in Revelation 10.6, that there shall be time no longer. But that is not what it's saying. It is saying there, the correct version is that there will be no more delay for God to execute his wrath, to execute his judgment. We already looked and said that the sun will rise and set, that there there will be time in heaven. Revelation 22.2, it says that the tree of life yielded her fruit every month. A form of time that we know very well. Also, there are songs that are sung in heaven. And I'm sure those that study music know that singing a song requires time. There's meter, there's tempo, there's rest. And certain notes are held longer than others. And in Revelation 8, it says that there will be silence in heaven for half an hour. Yes, there will be time in heaven. But it will not, um, we won't think of 101 things that we need to do in one hour. It will not be that way. Let's look at the new Jerusalem in Revelation 21 and 22. I'm going to be talking a little bit from these, this chapter, these chapters here. So what does John say um, that this city is? It is a holy city. Revelation 21, 27, it says, And there shall be no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever, whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. It is a new city because of its freshness and its newness. This is what Jesus was preparing for us, like it says in John 14, possibly. It is the tabernacle of God because it is the dwelling place of God. Also, this city is considered as a bride of as the bride of the Lamb, and we see that in Revelation 21, 2, verse 2, and also in verse 9. I'll just read from there in verse 9. Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. Let's look at the size of the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, like I said, is only a part of heaven. There is much more of heaven than just Jerusalem. This city is 12,000 furlongs long, wide and high, which equals 1,500 miles square. This city would cover a good portion of the U.S., and this is just the city. It is also 1,500 miles high. There are many st layers stacked on top of each other. Or is, is this the way it is? I'm not sure. Is it like a skyscraper? You know, what, what does that all mean? 
I'm not sure, but I believe it's going to be a city like no one has ever seen before. This city has a wall and has 12 gates, which will never be shut. People going in and out of the gates. The appearance of the city is like no one has ever seen before. The city itself and the streets are pure gold. It was like transparent glass. And even the foundations of the wall of the city will have many precious stones. This city will be the capital of the world. So when we think about heaven, what will we be like? Will we be the same people in heaven? What will we be like we were here on the earth? Will I still be Joseph when I go up there? When Jesus rose Lazarus from the grave, he called him by Lazarus, not some other person. We will have a physical bodies in heaven. It will not be something spiritual. We will not change to angels, but you will be you in a new resurrected body. So if we have physical bodies, we will also have our five senses, taste, hearing, smelling, touch, and sight. And if we have our five senses, and if we will still be ourselves in heaven, we will also most likely have godly desires, enjoying nature, food, and people, interacting with people. I believe that we can tell how we will be like in heaven when we look at the life of Jesus while he was here on the earth after his resurrection. He ate, he walked, he appeared in rooms without using the door. So what will we do in heaven? I believe we will worship and honor Jesus. But how do we do that? Or how will we do that? Often when we think about that, we think that we are going to be singing. And that is the only way that we can worship. I believe it is definitely a form of worship. But there are many other ways that we can worship besides singing. I feel that our whole lives, the things that we do during the day, that they, that can be a way that we can worship Jesus, even today, as we go through our life. And that will be the same, I think, when we're up in heaven. The things that we do will be a way that we can worship Jesus. Throughout all of eternity, we will be serving our King by working, doing things that honor Him. And the work that we do there will be a restful kind of work, work that we can enjoy. There will be no one jealous of what another person is assigned to do. We will all work together enjoying what we do, whether it's sweeping or whether it's parking cars or whatever it may be or leading a group. We will be content with what we are assigned to do. I believe also that possibly we will enjoy some of the same things while here on this earth, like our hobbies. You think that we can carry them on into heaven if they're um, scriptural and if they fall in line with God's word. I believe we, we could. Um, there's artists. I'm sure possibly there would be good artists up in heaven. There's people that enjoy singing. There's people that, well, we talked about fishes. Maybe there will be some people that enjoy snorkeling. Or 
We talked about maybe snow. If there's snow up there, maybe there'll be some people enjoying skiing or sledding without the aches and the pains and the bruises that go along with it. But God created, I believe, our talents and our passions and our desires for a reason while here on this earth. Um, and we're not going to necessarily be changed into another person. We'll be resurrected. We will still be ourselves in a new way. We will honor and glorify Christ. So who will be there in heaven real quick? The only ones who will be in heaven are those who have their names written in the Lamb's book of life. There will be many people there from the pages of Scripture. Abraham, Noah, jo- Joseph, Daniel, Moses, the twelve disciples, Paul. There will be many great missionaries and preachers throughout the ages that will be there. Some of us have friends, grandparents, and uncles and aunts, cousins that will be there. And some of us have parents, children, spouses, they will be there. There will be a great reunion to meet all these people and to see them again. But I think most importantly, there's going to be another great reunion, greater than meeting our friends and family. And that is seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus will be the most important thing that we want to do because it was Jesus that made it all possible for us to go to heaven when we deserve hell. When we get to heaven, we can echo or have the same mind of what David had in Psalm 73 where it says, Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. We shall see Jesus' face. And as we see in Revelation 22 and 21, there will be some people that will not be there. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And also there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but but they which are written in Lamb's book of life. So I hope this morning I whet your appetite strong enough that we will make sure that we are going there. Heaven is a real place, prepared for real people, physical people. Let's make sure that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There was a tombstone that has an epitaph that goes like this. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now... So once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Prepare for death and follow me. A wise person came along and added his thoughts to this line. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Let's kneel to pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your many blessings. Thank you, Lord, that you prepared a place for us in heaven, and that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross, that we could have life, that we could have eternal life, that we could be saved from hell. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us every day. You are here with us this morning. I pray as we go through life that we would be faithful to you, that we would honor and glorify you um, with what we do throughout our day, Lord. I pray that you would just guide and direct us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.